back, everyone, to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I'm Justin, and I am joined by... Vacation Beth. Non-vacation Sam. And Caleb was his name Oh, Look, they can't all be winners. Uh, what chapters are we talking about today, Justin? <laughs> Great. Glad everyone's here. Uh, Beth and I are joining you through the fantastic th- technology of being in the same room. Yeah. It's weird. I can look at you while you speak. Why? And there's no trains. <laughs> there's that. I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm so happy that there's no trains that I have to mute for every three to seven minutes. Y'all get all of my unfiltered wheezing this episode because I do that a lot of like laughter, not just breathing. I'm fine. What every- chapters are we reading? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm currently in Beth's apartment, so I will have to mute for trains, unfortunately. Wait, hang on. <laughs> That's not actually true. <laughs> I mean, I considered for the brief second that it could be. Yeah. I, I hang out with Beth and her roommates a lot, so it's not out of the question. <laughs> but to answer the question that's been asked several times already, <laughs> uh, we read chapters 22, 3, 4, and 5, uh, which finishes up part 3 of Mistborn Final Empire. With a bang. Yeah. Uh, things happened. <laughs> they sure did. Oh my god. Plans fell apart. People oh. fell apart. Yeah. Yep. I fell apart. <laughs> Perfect. Fits right in. <laughs> what do you think? Should we just uh, kick things off with uh, what we were reading this week? Let's do it. Let's start at the very beginning of chapter 22. It that... is a very good place to start. Did I beat you to it? <laughs> you did beat me to it. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I teed it up for you. <laughs> so we return again uh, with a double dose of epigraphs we get a, a brand new epigraph here and then immediately segueing into uh, Vin reading the logbook of epigraphs <laughs> so the uh, the new one that, that we get that Vin doesn't yet uh, is talking about the deepness which is still fairly mysterious at this point but we do hear about some of its actual effects uh, we hear that, that crops fail and the land dies, and that armies are useless before it. So that's not great. <laughs> that is a certified bummer. Truly. But then we get, uh, I think this is the first actual in-world text from the epigraphs. Vin is is reading along these. We've su- seen, I think, some of this before. Uh, yeah, I think Kelsier has actually, I, th- I think we've seen Kelsier read a couple. Um, That's true, yes. Yeah. But what we get here is a um, a much clearer description of the the powers that these Pac-Men describe. And that's certainly going to be something that we have to talk about quite soon. Yes, indeed. The wonders of pharomancy. Ferrochemy? Ha! <laughs> I said right. The first, don't. I I got it. Yes. Touchdown. <laughs> I, I think it's usually pronounced Farukami. Yes. But I honestly okay, can't remember it. if it's Farukami. I think it's Farukami. Farukami sounds more fun. Yeah, this is like the opposite problem I have in D and D, where whenever Beth introduces a new NPC and we all try to guess the spelling, now it's the opposite where I have the spelling <laughs> and I'm trying to guess the pronunciation and every time I get it right I'm like, yes! 
But there's not even a way to get it right, because half the time, like, you would think the author's word would be the right one, but we looked at how you're technically supposed to pronounce Kelsier and went, no. 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 <laughs> nah. So I think I mentioned this before, but it's a great bit of fun. Uh, Shoutouts to another podcast in the Sanderson realm, and also to Simple Flips. Yeah. Uh, the, fo- the following Noadon podcast... Uh, where um, Paul is listening to the audiobooks and Trevor is reading the text. And so they get to have a, a back and forth of every time they learn a new word, how do you pronounce this and how do you spell it? <laughs> uh, shout outs to Paul for almost getting Numuhukumakiakiya Lunamore on his first try. Shout outs to you for pulling that on, on the first try. <laughs> wow. That, that is a character's name. But Lestaborns is too difficult to say. <laughs> Look, I just I just like the name Spook better. <laughs> and speaking of... Here he comes. Uh, yeah, here he is, being a weird, awkward teenage boy. And this scene is great. Mm. I also love... We, we get these, this excerpt from the logbook. It's more information. It helps us try to dig into it more and maybe uncover a bit more of the mystery... And as soon as we pop out of that kind of text, the first thing is Vin hates this yeah. <laughs> for several reasons. I love the idea because you see in movies all the time, a bunch of movies, especially Oscar bait, always like will focus on how wonderful the art of cinema is. And I feel like you get that in books as well. If you always have the protagonist who loves books so much. And it's just very funny to have the main protagonist of this 500 page book just right in the middle of be like, man, I fucking hate reading. This is the worst. <laughs> and um, let, uh, confirm or deny here, I believe that in general, Ska are at least dissuaded from learning how to read. I think it's pretty rare. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she mentions that it is, it, it's taking her a while to read just because of like having to figure out what words mean. She has to sound them out to herself. That sounds very painful. Especially with the epigraphs. She wishes that she'd never found them in the first place. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently that was actually pretty common historically. When people read, they read out loud. Like, that was the default. Hmm. Yeah, there's uh, guests have arrived, uh, including Spook, who comes to to greet Finn and let her know what's going on. Uh, Spook and Docs are here. And uh, Spook says, weapons for the getting, giving for the time to be. And then has to clarify what the (laughs) hell he meant. Uh, and then before he leaves, he gives Vin a handkerchief and then runs away. <laughs> and she thinks that is one strange boy. I thought it was interesting that w- it, uh, Brandon says, like, when Spook reaches into his vest pocket, uh, Vin flares pewter. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't burn it. She doesn't burn it. She <laughs> flares it. Like yeah. she's she's ready to to put this kid into the ground if necessary. <laughs> oh my god! Honestly, in years past, I can think of a, a man in particular who asked me out who I would have liked to pile drive. All I'm gonna say is, if you're gonna ask someone to homecoming in an elaborate way, know whether or not they have a date before you do it. <clears throat> anyway, hmm. yikes! Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, just before we learn what. Well, okay. Speaking as a historian, in society, giving someone a handkerchief, a dude giving a chick a handkerchief has always been like, hey, come to homecoming. 
um, <laughs> historically. But it doesn't, uh, you know, they don't like say right away what it means, like if it means something different in world. So I just mm-hmm. wrote, Vin doesn't bother investigating, Spook doesn't bother explaining, K-Cool. <laughs> I mean, they are both teenagers. Yeah, the teenagers are not great at the subtext. But yeah, this is just a whole awkward mess. So as uh, some of the crew is gathering, Vin gets to stop by Sazed uh, for a bit. And he, on the other hand, is absolutely loving this uh, <laughs> new bit of lore that they've found. He's going through all of this info about the, the Terrace homelands. Uh, there's more comments about weird green plants, because this is set back in, in the ancient days. Uh, and then Vin starts trying to, to dig out some info on Farukami. And it, it goes middling well she's a little blunt with it you know oh fine i guess i'll just have to figure it out for myself (laughs) let vin be a bitch (laughs) (laughs) ah well looks like he spends a lot of time talking about the terrace men guess i won't be able to give much input by this point since it's just like okay (laughs) yeah so then we get our our uh second metal-based magic system we had uh so much fun with allomancy turns out there's two here (laughs) so we get to Learn all about how uh, Farukami works. At least, says it isn't quite as forthcoming as, yeah. as we Kyle don't learn was. all about how it works. <laughs> so we learn that uh, ferrochemists, which is the term, uh, can use their metals as storage for certain attributes, and they can they can save up over a period of time and then expend it. So uh, we see. Uh, the terrorist Pac-Men who store up strength by being weak at night and then using it during the next day. And this also explains the the Keeper's practice of wearing a significant amount of jewelry. Uh, earrings, Sazed shows that he has um, iron bracers on under his robes. Uh, but yeah, bracelets, bracers, earrings, piercings is all part of the kind of Keeper setup. And I really love this. I love this more than um, Alamancy, honestly. It just seems more badass to me that you can save up all this power and then just use it when you need it. Um, as well as like store up like memories in copper. That's mm-hmm. yeah, very that's interesting. Really cool. And also grants the name of the very extensive, extremely helpful Brandon Sanderson wiki, the Copper Mind. Yes. I will say I, I'm I'm really on board with it. I think this is a really cool idea. I think I need a I need more details on how it works before I am like all in because at this point we have at first he says it's just physical attributes, but then the second thing he talks about is memory, which I don't really consider a physical attribute. Um, so currently with the details I have, I feel like it, we are mostly because it hasn't been explained yet. I'm worried about it just becoming. Farukami can just do whatever the plot requires and I trust Brandon that it won't become that because of how well structured Allomancy is I imagine he has a very set structure of rules for Farukami as well um, but currently the idea of yeah you can save up all your strength and you can also save up all your memories and then you can just use them it's just it's at this point for me it's very vague and I I, I, I want more of the details I want the specifics and I'm hoping we get it 
Understandable. Sazed says, too bad for now. Yeah. <laughs> he is he's a little well, more secretive. If, if there's any more information I get about the terrorism, I guess I won't have much input. <laughs> it, it doesn't work when it's not Vin. Dang it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, what we do, though, get is a little bit more background on the terrorist people. Uh, because Sazed does talk about how uh, the Lord Ruler has been trying to stamp out the Keepers for, for generations on how the terrorist religion uh, has been basically lost to time, which is a a personal... This this affects Sazed quite deeply with his interest in, in collecting the religions of the world and of the past. Uh, to not know their own religion is something that that has really bothered him for a long time. And as Sazed is kind of trying to uh, to wrap things up and not talk about too much more, uh, Vin does does pick up one thing, uh, which is that sight is another attribute that can be stored. So yeah, we've got a couple of physical things and also memory, which is a little, little strange. Uh, and then we get one of my favorite dialogue exchanges <laughs> in the entire book, uh, which is... Uh, Vin pulls up the handkerchief and says, do you have any idea what this is? And he says, it appears to be a handkerchief, mistress. <laughs> Let Sazed be a bitch. <laughs> I mean, my favorite part is what comes directly afterwards, where Vin says, oh, Kelsey's rubbing off on you. And Sazed just goes, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, then, I've, I've, actually, this whole little scene is full of bangers, because a few lines later, when uh, Sazed explains that this is intent, that he is a... Spook was essentially asking Vin to court him. Uh, he, she asks if he's crazy. He says, no, haven't you seen how he stares at you? And she goes, I just thought he was creepy. Also, Vin talks like a nine-year-old here. Uh, the boy is 15, mistress. That only makes him one year your junior. Two, I turned 17 last week. Yeah, it's you're very insistent about it the fewer years you have. I think everybody has a story from their childhood where um, their parents tried to get them into a six and under eat free place and they've completely um, mm -hmm. ruined it by saying, I'm seven. I'm seven <laughs> in two months. <laughs> and then you get older and you lie the other direction for those kinds of discounts. I pushed being a student as long as I could. <laughs> One time I went to a Rangers game and they were handing out little plushies of Arctic monkeys because Nolan Ryan had a funny Arctic monkey story, but they were only offering them to 15-year-olds or younger because they only wanted them to go to the kids. So I had to lie and say I was 15 even though I was 16. <laughs> Caleb! You had to. <laughs> I had to. Some poor 15-year-old is crying his eyes out that he doesn't have an Arctic monkeys. You don't Flush. know what my parents put me through. We needed that monkey. <laughs> There's there's deep lore in this podcast. <laughs> and it all almost exclusively comes from Caleb. Perhaps. Let's let's stash that like our future knowledge of Farukami and say we'll reveal more in the in future episodes. Listen and find out. Yeah, Lafo. The the writers of this podcast have told us not to say anymore, so we're gonna move on. It's true. We are very structured here and have our script completely written ahead of time. What we can move on to is uh, more interpersonal revelations, as it turns out that Ham has been married and has a family this whole time, which is, Vin, I guess, just never asked. So, yeah, Ham's married, Yidin is married. Uh, 
Vin is asking if, if there's any other families that she doesn't know about. And, and Sazed throws Breeze under the bus and says he's a little too uh, self-motivated for a family. <laughs> so, and then and Vin kind of realizes that she has friends here and should probably talk to them for a little bit. Yeah, then Sazed throws Vin under the bus with, don't you ever spend time talking to these guys? <laughs> yeah, this is... Things are firing on all cylinders here. <laughs> I don't know if there's other... I mean, I'm assuming that there's other introverts who listen to this podcast who have undergone the experience of uh, joining a new company, working with people for months, and then realizing that you don't know their names because you haven't asked. Because it's, and now it's too awkward to ask. Oh yeah, it's, it's too way late. too late. Yeah. I mean, that's the benefit of uh, of doing a lot of your work by text-based communication, where it just says right there <laughs> what their name is. On the email. But then you can't put face to name because there's no... Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> you just have to wait for somebody else to say it. I can associate names to Slack avatar pictures, but not to actual faces. <laughs> for all I know, one of my friends actually does look like a frowning vault boy from Fallout. <laughs> all right, where do we head next? We head next to uh, Vin deciding to take Sazed's advice and, and go just chat with uh, Doxon and see how he's doing and, and talk with him. Dig up old wounds. Yeah, really. <laughs> we we learn about Dox's past. Um, he, he worked on a plantation for a significant part of his life and it turns out that there was a woman that he loved and, and they were doing their best to to try to have a, a romance. The the rest of the ska there kind of covered for them and let them sneak around. And and they were going to, you know, maybe run off. And as we've seen a couple of times as it happens, the uh, noble owner of this plantation decided that that was the, the girl that he wanted to sleep with, and she was killed. And that is, that's what pushed Docs into this whole, this whole endeavor. It's very depressing, but I do love the follow-up of... It, it's very well written, the follow-up of Vin saying, I thought you said your lord was one of the nice ones. And Doxon is like, oh, yeah, he is. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it usually is way worse than this. It just kind of drives home just how horrible Ska life really is. Caleb, he only purged the elderly when the population exploded, okay? Yeah, totally reasonable. What a bang-up guy. I was chatting with, with Beth when we were preparing to record... One of the lines here that that I always um, always stuck out at me was uh, Vin asking him how the other nobility could could let someone like that associate with them, and Docs just says, "Vin, they're all like that," and and that's just a part of the world that she hasn't really known because she's been in the underground basically her whole life. I think I read when I read that line, I read that in the voice that you just used. The, the very sharp, yeah. I'm probably remembering the way that it was read in the audiobook. So kind of working as intended, I guess. <laughs> and Vin has some conflicting thoughts here because she now has uh, some experience with the nobility and the view that she gets is so heavily filtered that it's it's hard to wrap her head around. Yeah, filtered is a good way of putting that because... There are points where I struggle reading this of being like, Vin, how can you be this naive? Like, you grew up on the streets. This Your life sucked because of noblemen. But, one, 
in her life she was fair, fairly distant from them, like she avoided them at all costs. And now that she's having extensive interaction, it's at these lovely parties and everything's gorgeous. And now there's a nice boy paying attention to her. And I, it, it completely makes sense as to how she could get swept up in this to me. Yeah, I do wonder if the, specifically the execution scene where the kid gets taken out to the mist and just get his throat slit. I wonder if taking that scene out would make this have a lot more impact because mm. we've already gotten a scene of Vin starting to kind of drink the Kool-Aid and then remembering, oh, wait, no, the nobility suck. And so for me, it didn't quite land as heavily this time because it's like we've already we've already kind of seen Vin experience that already. <laughs> Um, this, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, I, and it is, it, you know, it's worth noting this is taking place over the course of months. Um, but, um, you know, when you're reading a book all at once, it doesn't come across as months. So I don't know, just uh, there's a couple of pacing things. I wonder if, if there were to be an adaptation, if there could be adjustments that would make this moment land a little bit harder. Mm, that is an interesting point. We wrap up that chapter with Vin trying to kind of square this together with how much she's been enjoying uh, interacting with Elland. And that's going to be something that they're going to have to figure out when they next meet. And look, as we go into the next chapter, <laughs> there's a ball. And I will say, speaking of pacing, I would actually say I think a, at least a small scene with Kelsier might have worked well here, um, mostly because Vin goes on quite a roller coaster very quickly in terms of how she views nobility. Um, and I think having a little bit more time to stew on like the stuff from Dachshund might have helped out here. Because uh, mm. spoilers for the end of this chapter. By the end of this chapter, she's back on board with, well, Ellen is all right, at least. Um, and the kind of the back and forth, yeah, it just happens a little bit too quickly, uh, in my opinion here. Um, but we can take it step by step because she does, she does still have a good amount of time stressing out about how horrible nobles in general are. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into chapter 23 proper, we have another epigraph. Uh, our, our hero here is having troubled sleep. There's a lot going on. Uh, and in particular, this mysterious thumping sound from the mountains that he has been hearing. So that is uh, pretty significant uh, prophesied hero-wise. <laughs> but then in we go to uh, the middle, or actually I think quite towards the end of the latest ball as uh, Lady Cliss and an assortment of other nobles are just talking about all of the, the happenings hereabout. And this is a callback, right? Lady Entrone, Kelsier killed him. I believe that's the, could be, could be face in dirt man as we know him. Yeah, that was face in dirt guy. Yeah, the guy who got knifed and, and dumped. So yeah, the, that news has, has gotten around and is really stirring things up. And Cliss has all sorts of theories as to what's going on here. And uh, the guy she's with isn't quite following and she says, don't worry about it too much, dear. And then <laughs> right back to it, all of, the, all of the hot gossip. I do have further commentary um, between Elend, Melend, Milen, um let's see a little bit later we get um one of ellen's buddies is named telden telden um yep. a lot of ends 
most of the time I just remember the last names. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's probably the best way to do it because, man, I am just, I, I, I gave up on casting specifically because, like, I can't even tell some of these people apart now. <laughs> well, uh, fortunately for, for you, we will not be seeing Millen Davenplew again. He is uh, too unimportant politically. So. <laughs> womp womp. But this is uh, this is uh, the the conversation of the previous chapter is definitely heavily on Vin's mind as she's going through these this little song and dance of of the gossip, and uh, it's it's complicated. I thought it was weird. It, it almost felt like self-loathing because she is really falling into her role. I mean, she she critiques um, Cliss for her fashion sense, uh, while at the same time you know, all nobles are, are trash and whatever. And, and just sprinkled throughout here, um, every now and then, you know, we see her thoughts of like, um, thinking like a noble just to herself. Um, right. She wore the black dress as a a fashion choice. It's, it's strange, but (laughs) you know, um, and, uh, and Brandon Sanderson really lays it on extra thick that, uh, she doesn't trust nobles anymore. (laughs) Mm-hmm. real quick the mention of fashion did make me remember of a, a line that i'm sorry to go back but uh don't want to skip over it back in the conversation with say zed sounds foolish fashion often is mistress <laughs> well all say zed needs is his uh his overlapping v's v that's all you need that's that's the style you need you don't have to worry about anything else <laughs> as long as it's bold consummate v's <laughs> They they definitely are consummate V's. It's a Trogdor reference for those out there. Absolutely was. Heck yeah. So we learn about how the um, the chaos among the houses has progressed. Uh, apparently, House Venture is uh, in preparation mode for an upcoming house war and has been not really showing themselves, not really engaging much. And uh, Ellen hasn't been around, but Vin thinks that maybe that's a good thing because it would have been difficult to talk to him right now. And we get a scene of just kind of the mechanics of the court uh, as it turns out that Mr. Millen Davenplew is the guy who always says that he's going to join the game and then never shows up. Uh, And so they have an obligator have witness to I'm going to come to the game tomorrow, guys, I promise. (laughs) He pays two boxings to put into the official court record that he's going to fucking game night with the boys. Yeah. It, it is a different world here. <laughs> it is. But Vin also has the realization that because of the, the way that this social structure works, uh, the obligators know basically everything that goes on. Because they're always there. They're always witnessing things. They're being told things in confidence. So it's a... Uh, it's a good way for the Lord Ruler to keep tabs on things. Vin attempts to kind of extricate herself from the evening, uh, but it turns out there's even more gossip to be had, uh, this time about the ministry, which is kind of weird. Like, how does Cliss know this? She's very <laughs> well informed. And they, they talk about how the Inquisitors have been cracking down on ska thieves. Uh, there's a an amusing scene where Tyden is is very angry about the thieves and and his wife just 
completely dumpsters him. Uh, is you know who could possibly let themselves get robbed by ska? So fun times with the uh, the, the personal drama there. Also, just bringing back Map Love um, mentions uh, that there's a there was a thief band headquartered not far from here, and Vin's worried because Club Shop isn't that far. And if you go back to the map. Yeah, it's pretty close. Like there's, there's a, a, it's worth a little bit of concern um, at this point. Um, if you look at the proximity, which just, you know, I really like the attention to detail there. Yeah. Shout outs to maps. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, and then who shows up, but Lady Shan Alarial, who is as usual causing uh, drama and problems for Vin in the, the court life. <sighs> court politics. I don't know. I mean, there's there's certain hay to be made here with what she's saying. Um, if you took Vin's brain out and replaced it with Kelsier's, I'm sure he would be intrigued by what she's proposing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, she she wants Vin to uh, get her some of the dirt on the books that that Ellen was reading, which, as we discussed uh, a couple of episodes ago. Uh, there's some pretty inflammatory stuff there, and Ellen could uh, have some serious issues if that gets found out. I feel like Vin's going to bring this up to the crew, and people are going to advocate for her to actually work with Shan, and I feel like she's probably not going to want to, which I don't blame her, because <laughs> Shan is not nice. Yeah, that would be a really unfortunate setup for Vin. I've been watching a lot of recaps of The Bachelor, as you do. Who knows why? I don't know. And I feel like I could cast Sean as any number of Bachelor contestants. Victoria P. from Matt James's season would be a perfect Sean. All right, I'll, I'll put this on the list for <laughs> Beth's casting. It's sparse, but it's there. <laughs> she was a jerk. And at the end of uh, Shan's little interruption and demands... Uh, Vin is taking a look around. Keep hasting. It has elevators. Ooh. Uh, which are powered by Ska pulling on pulleys. Because that's <laughs> your cheapest source of labor, I guess. And then we've got Ellen Venture. And we need to, to solve this whole problem. <laughs> and Vin approaches it with great tact and care. Look, sometimes <laughs> when you have to solve a problem, you can, in fact, just yell at it. Yeah, this uh, this escalates rapidly. Uh, Vin is is having a difficult time, you know, keeping it together emotionally, and they go uh, off to uh, have a, a little bit more privacy. And she just goes at him. Have you ever slept with a ska woman? And uh, there's a whole big issue here. They have to have this talk. Uh, it turns out that it's on Ellen's part. It's at least a little bit more complicated than that. And we learn more about how awful Straff Venture is. Yeah, what a dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Ellen was 13. And Straff Venture said, you're going to sleep with this girl. And then he killed her. And uh, Ellen claims that, that that was it. That was that he was he was distraught after the first time. And uh, this is it's it's still not quite a. Uh, it's still a bit of a touchy situation here. 
Yeah, Straff Venture gets a big old thumbs down from me for this one. I don't know if that's a hot <laughs> take, but uh, not great. The reviews are in. Yeah, just here. Straff Venture, bit of a jerk. <laughs> uh, but then Vin kind of has to try to untangle things from this outburst. Yeah, she uh, she said maybe a little bit too much in terms of yeah. he was right. Um, and her cover is not bad. Yeah, no, this is this is a uh, this is she plays it off as something that she heard about the men of the court and not about nobility in general. And there was uh, th- there was perhaps another suitor. I don't know. D- does she mention she doesn't mention too much about said other suitor? Yeah, I don't know if that even really comes into play until the handkerchief a little bit later. Mm hmm. Who's the other suitor? Oh, he's this really annoying person who doesn't really speak English very well, who I barely know. Who, who he's we done re- nothing wrong, Sam. Who we refer to by nickname only. <laughs> who is like a, a paper-thin comedy relief character. He looked after her while she was injured. He's what? What has Ellen done besides be kind of a douche? All right. Maybe I'll talk about it now. Um, uh, I see uh, a lot of like myself in Elland because I grew up in a uh, uh, upper middle class town, um, and I was the opinion editor of my school paper, and I had a whole bunch of people who wrote for me, who I was friends with, and we all talked about politics and policy and stuff like that, and it was fun. So when I look at Elland, I'm like. That that's me when I was seventeen. When I look at Spook, I don't really see any. I, I see like a, I see Tiny Tim still. Well, here's my thing, Sam. Here's here herein lies the problem, is that I see Ellen Venture, and I realized, I also see seventeen-year-old Caleb when I look at him. The problem. And you fucking hate seventeen-year-old Caleb. Seventeen-year-old Caleb was a fucking asshole. Oh my god. <laughs> And Lesterborns is just a quiet, friendly, slightly feral kid, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, 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 w- this is we've great. had a lot of time <laughs> like developing Ellen as a character, and Spook. Mm-hmm. All the time that we could have spent developing Spook has been spent with Vin being knocked out. <laughs> okay, that's yes. Brandon's fault. That's not Lesterborns' fault. Okay. <laughs> Don't lay that evil on him. All right. We are now separating the behavior of fictional characters. It's also not Ellen's fault that he he reminds you of you. (laughs) Battle lines are drawn. All right. This is is a great episode. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Before we move on from this battle, Ellen does also remind me of high school me. I wrote one paper that was like, we should put more women in movies, maybe. And I was like, I've solved sexism. I did it, everyone. (laughs) Um, And I consider myself like a nice socially conscious person. But looking back on the route there, there were certainly some bumbles and fumbles that are a bit embarrassing. So maybe Ellen does too. So what? He has honest eyes. (laughs) He has such honest dead eyes inside. It's so nice. (laughs) He does at least feel bad for making Vin cry. Uh, Vin then has the the understatement of the century with, it's been a very draining few months. <laughs> sure has. 
And let me clarify, Ellen did grow on me this chapter. Uh, we we have spent more time with him. I just I just think Lester Bournes is a kind and ultimately harmless little guy, and I don't understand why why the battle lines have been drawn so heavily. But I will Cause... defend my boy in the same way you'll defend yours. Because <laughs> I don't want uh oh I can't think of an appropriate female comparison here, but I don't want our female. Uh, uh, star to marry Kevin Hart playing Kevin Hart. Sorry, you picture <laughs> Lester Bournes as Kevin Hart? He's not my casting, but like Kevin, you know how in every movie Kevin Hart is just the short guy who yells a lot? That That's like spook to me. He hasn't how? yelled just, once. He's just this small, tiny guy who like talks weird, and, and that's him. I don't know. What 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 horrible crimes against humanity. I can't believe it. This is not my only uh, character thing that's going to get me in hot water. And this is not the hottest that I'll talk about this episode, I'm sure. So, Ooh, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, so will. I also have some hot takes for later. We have not seen much spook yet. We basically just got to spend a significant amount of time with Ham. <laughs> like, yeah. One-on-one -on -one time. So maybe spook will get some more one-on-ones. We'll see. I hope so. I want. I want to see who he is. I don't know. And we'll see who wins at the final rose ceremony of the Bachelor. Hey, give me a give me a chapter that's like Ellen's thing here, and I'll I'll roll with it. But you know, until then, I don't know. Right, we'll have to check in on these two boys then. <laughs> yep. But Vin kind of uh, Vin gets deeper into the mess here, as the two of them they do get a chance to have a bit of a heart to heart, and and that's nice. Um. She also has a, a a good point when when Ellen says that uh, you know Vin is has done such a great job uh, playing all the politics games and he prefers to stay out of it and she points out that that's a lot easier to do when you're on top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it gets a little dicey with Vin kind of uh, almost spilling the beans again, except for a different thing uh, because she winds things back to the conversation that they almost had about what the ska are actually like. Uh, and she makes some stuff up about the ska that, that, that she's known. Uh, and Ellen is absolutely fascinated by this and, and wants to know more. And uh, it's really, really dangerous that Vin is talking about all this stuff. Please stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Please stop. Tell me more. How do you know these things, Vin? Okay. I mean, even if you can trust Ellen, you know, if 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 an obligator overhears that the canals are being used for some purpose and they're going to start searching the boats, which is not ideal because we got a whole army that we're we're raising up, then the, nothing bad's going to happen to, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, everything's going to go great, and I have I, and <laughs> I have zero thoughts about it. <laughs> Uh, well, eventually, a couple of pages later, Vin says, I've probably said too much already. Uh, but but fortunately for her, uh, Ellen is is heading off to uh, the the politics club with um, the, uh, the unnamed Hasting and Lacal and uh, a couple of others. And uh, then Vin gets another handkerchief. Uh, and I, I like the... Uh, you might want to keep that. It wasn't intended to be simply functional. Yeah. It's cute. Quick, 
quick Ellen Venture vibe check. I know that we just have been either dunking on him or supporting him. <laughs> Sam and Caleb, do you trust him? Do you? Because I know there were some theories going around about Ellen has like bigger plans going on. I think that there is a way to utilize him without necessarily trusting him. I think that you don't have to like bring him into what you're doing. All you got to do is wind him up and let him go. Because uh, I'll probably talk more in depth about this in the interesting section, but like, you know, Ellen and the other guys, they're, they're house heirs. If you get them to the top of the house when they're young and actually want to do this stuff, as opposed to when they're older and go, eh, whatever, status quo, whatever, um, then they can make an impact. And they don't need to be in the plan. They just need to be at the top of a house. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Caleb, what is your uh, your read on the trustworthiness of Mr. Ellen Venture? I think despite the the despite the attitude I've been displaying, I think Ellen can be trusted. Herein lies the problem, is that Ellen has five friends that he spills the beans to and like pretty much immediately as soon as we see him. He's like, oh, we gotta bring this girl in. She knows so much, she's so cool, guys. Um, and that could certainly be a much bigger of a problem. Um, but I do think he can be, I, I do think he's probably, you know, a decent dude. I don't think he's going to like betray Vin or anything. Um, I, I think he is, you know, like pretty much the only good noble we'll come across. Um, but, um, that still doesn't mean that we should be telling him everything. Okay. Thank I you also, for coming to this vibe check. Speaking of Ellen vibe checks. Ellen does see that she has a handkerchief, and it's mentioned it's from another suitor, right? Yep. Yes. Beth, what did you say, like, 20 minutes ago about, hey, when you ask someone to homecoming, make sure that they don't already have a date? And here is Ellen being like, ah, I'm going to throw in my handkerchief, too. Well, see, here's the thing. They are quietly speaking on a balcony alone. They are not standing in an auditorium shooting off fireworks with everyone looking at them while you reject them. Oh my god. Okay, see, that was context I hadn't fully, fully uh, understood. I take it back. I apologize. Now that there's high school <laughs> cringe at its peak. While a sign descends from the sky on the stage that says homecoming question mark. Oh and then you have to shoot him down and flee the country. I'm glad you came back yeah, for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's been many years. <laughs> All right. So with with Ellen having departed to go to his little little gathering, uh, Vin actually makes a sensible decision and says, "I'm going to go spy on him." <laughs> um, has to negotiate with with Sazed on that, but she does not break the rules. She does ask permission first. Sazed, who gets rather caught up on her makeup and her quantity of handkerchiefs. Yeah, you have been busy. <laughs> Are you listening to me? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, but yeah, she gets to do some alamancy, which is a blessed relief for her, and goes to get to jump off into the night and uh, head for the tower that Ellen was heading off to so that uh, she can go listen in. Whereas previously mentioned, Ellen is already talking about some of the things that they discussed. Uh, and we have, let's see, we have uh, Teldon, no last name. Jastes, I know his last name. Do we know it here? Uh, I don't know. That's Jastes Lacall. I believe we do. I think Cezad said his full name in a previous mm-hmm. 
meeting of these and it might be Tilden Hastings, though I'm not sure. I think it. Yeah, I know that he was with the Lacal and the Hastings when he was walking away with the three mm-hmm. people. Uh, and Sam, you were mentioning this earlier when we were trying to to figure out um, our casting, and now I'm baffled too, uh, because there is a fifth voice, but never any mention of a fourth. Yeah, we have Ellen Jasty's <laughs> Tilden and a fifth voice. <laughs> I, I don't know who else is in this. Uh, okay, Kevo, there's another name. But he doesn't talk. Yeah, I do not know. <laughs> I cast Ghastly as the fifth voice. Writers could not do math. Okay, good to know. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, no, wait, no, that's 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 Ellen, so that's, that, yeah. that's the same. No, there, there's only three people who talk, plus... Well, th- there's three named characters who talk. One named character who we don't know if they talk or not and a fifth voice this is reminding me of when i've done like editing for one of my friend's books and like the character there's a character will will say something and then we'll say something in response but it's the same character responding to themselves because they forgot who was talking Mm. um yeah so hang on now i have to now i have to really okay ellen masculine voice ellen again deep voiced man Jack, we don't. Do we know what Jast Jast is? The masculine voice. Another mm-hmm. voice. No, there's another voice. There's another voice. There's a fourth voice. Who just says Ellen? Ellen. <laughs> He's our mystery man. <laughs> okay. And there you have it, folks. There we the go. Five genders. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, we we solved it. Uh, yeah. So we've uh, we've mentioned some of this. So far already, this is Ellen's political gang. Um, And like he mentions, um, several of them are very close to inheriting, uh, if not actually in line. uh, And they have some thoughts about maybe some changes that should be made. Yeah, I just have in my notes, God, they're just high school juniors discovering the Communist Manifesto for the first time. Yeah, it's not not incorrect, (laughs) I'd say. Yeah, we'll we'll see if they they can actually make anything happen here. But uh, they they have a good time at least uh, having their discussion and their drinks. And then uh, it turns out that Kelsier is here. He is hanging on a window ledge right above Vin, <laughs> literally hanging. Yeah, <laughs> and they get to have uh, a nice little reunion up there on top of the wall. <laughs> and uh, Vin manages to uh, to get the impossible. Uh, which is that Kelsier, at least for now, promises not to kill any of them. It's very telling about a character when that's a genuinely sweet moment. We'll see about that. <laughs> yeah, I wrote, I trust Kelsier as far as I could throw him. <laughs> so, Yeah, that seems about right. And I don't even have Alamancy. Hey. <laughs> Anyways, I do love... Um, Kelsier just assuming that Vin snuck away from Seizet, and she's like, no, no, I asked for permission. Kelsier's mm-hmm. like, uh, oh, oh, okay, okay, cool. I wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is where we wrap up the party. And uh, for for how awful it turned in the middle, it seems like it ends out pretty all right for Vin. Yeah. Yeah, we have a, a few chapters with a pretty steady incline of positivity. Until... Oh, yeah, we, we wait, got one more wait, to go. Yeah. Wait, no, hang on. Is it the previous chapter... How did the previous chapter end before this one? Yeah, no, the the, the previous end one ended with 
her distraught over is Ellen also like that. So that's, that, yeah, yeah, that not, wasn't so great. Not 100% steady, but overall, an overall positive trend for the time being. And that continues with the beginning of this chapter. Exactly. This next scene is, is delightful after this epigraph. Justin, tell us about the epigraph. <laughs> yeah, uh, this one is um, not a lot of, of movement in the, the plot of the, the old logbook. Uh, but the the hero here is contemplating how they they have to uh, trust themselves, and even though there's going to be all sorts of things that that they go through, uh, they have to push through to to save the world as they apparently have to. But then we get to a, a really fun scene because the crew, like we saw, Kelsier is back, which means that um, Ham is also back from from the caves. And so Kel, Vin, Sazed, Ham, Clubs, and Spook all just get to hang out together. And it's nice. Ham's back. Ham's back. And he's wearing a vest again, which he's overjoyed about. Because <laughs> sleeves are bullshit. Um, well, it turns yeah. out it's not actually a vest. He just tore the sleeves off of his coat. But here's the <laughs> thing, yeah. right? Because he's no longer a general, he doesn't have to worry about keeping his armies in his sleeveys. God damn it. <laughs> I'm kicking everyone off the podcast and ending it here. Don't put that on me. Oh, you killed them, Sam. Oh, my God. Oh, you killed them for like a while. Oh, dear. Zoom. Zoom. There we go. Maybe? Yeah, we can can watch the audio freeze and then suddenly catch up. Uh, Yeah, I have... Uh, I wrote down that there's a big like calm before the storm vibe from this scene. Um, there's something very comforting about it. And I got the feeling that, you know, this would probably not be a moment that lasts very long, but there is something very nice and, and happy about having this moment where, you know, mm-hmm. Vin's in there. She's in the room. She's no longer looking yes. in from the doorway. Yes. And we have that, that direct contrast to the scene where she was standing in the door, unwilling to, to come in. Some some top tier banter all around, including a just entirely incomprehensible conversation where it turns out that apparently several people here actually speak Spook's dialect. Uh, I think Brandon has actually published a translation of what they are all saying. I was going to say, I don't think it is incomprehensible. I think the fun part about it is that for at least the first half, you can almost follow it. Like you get the vibe. Mm hmm. And then, and then Doxin comes up with wasing not of wasing is, which means nothing at all. <laughs> so yeah, that is, it's, it's a fun scene and there's, there's not a lot to delve deep in, but it's, it's a good scene to see. I worry that this kind of thing will get cut out from an adaptation. So I, I revel in it in all of its book form. Oh no, I would say this is, I, I would argue that this is a very essential scene because I'm assuming this is going to be the last little moment of happiness. This is the... Um, I think I've already made the, the the thing before. Last time, everyone was happy hanging out in Clubs' shop, but it's very much um, girl worth fighting for from Mulan-esque of, you know, we have this one moment where everyone's just kind of chill and partying a little bit, and then right on the horizon, things are about to get real. Um, mm-hmm. Which I, I think having that dichotomy is really important for just making the darkness more effective by having there be light and and happiness at certain points as well. I totally agree. I just worry about having seen previous adaptations since it is so plot light. Oh yeah, it no, feels I'm not prime I on think, the chopping block. 
I think your worry is very justified. I am just arguing <laughs> it shouldn't have to be. Yeah. Correct. And also, they should stop all hanging out at Clubs' shop having a great time specifically like this, because things do go bad very quickly. Every after. single time. <laughs> Can't you guys at least hang out on the roof? Those scenes are usually pretty chill. <laughs> I, I gave Beth a look. There is a time when they hang out on a roof and things go very poorly. So I'm I'm sorry for what you just said, Caleb. As opposed oh, to just sending each other DMs with eyes emojis, when I you guys say something accidentally significant, we can just look at each other yeah, now. It's, it's very efficient. Yeah, this is a weird concept. <laughs> I'm trying to think, for at least one episode, I want to record one episode where we're all sitting around a table. That'll be cool. Yeah. Oh, That'd be yeah. fun. I mean, I, I can come to Illinois at some point. You guys are all semi-nearby, apparently. So Yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, Beth and I are super far away from each other. I don't know how much that'd be able to work, but, you know, the rest of you. It's true. It's like a block, isn't it? It's a seven-minute walk, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So we we have that that great scene. Um, the the plot things leading out of this uh, is that it's going to be uh, Breeze's turn to lead the army pretty soon, apparently, because Kelsier wants them all to have that opportunity. Uh, and that Vin is going to to take a chance on on training Pewter with Ham, because uh, that's something that she hasn't done yet. She hasn't had a, a big focus on Pewter. It's just been kind of the, the get stronger button. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I you know I'm really worried about Breeze when he takes over the army. Like, how is he going to handle that? You know, he's clearly kind of anxious about his ability to do that. I'm I'm really you know curious to see where that goes. You know, Caleb, I think Breeze will be a great general. I think it'll be just great with the with the big army that they're going to march against Luthadel. That's true. If the army is big enough, surely Breeze is going to have a good time with it. <laughs> All right. Anyway. <laughs> it would be incredible if we choose to end the podcast episode on this chapter and not the next one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could have done that. Or like but... halfway through this chapter. <laughs> yeah, I... I think that things start turning poorly. That's true. Even, yeah. Um, but yeah, we we get a um, we get some nice time with Ham and Vin. Uh, they get to to chat as they're they're going to the garrison to train. Uh, we hear a little bit about about Ham's family, about how he's really just kind of trying to hold down a job and and keep them housed and fed and all that. But yeah, and, and the plan is to is to make some cash with the the rebellion and the the thieving gangs and then get the hell out of here find a place that they can just kind of settle down to retire there are a few moments of the scene that i really like ham is just full of contradictions you get this like i'm the muscle-bound guy who hits things but i'm also the philosopher but then also in the middle of the scene vin says you could just not use your alamancy it'd be safer for your family he says i don't know if i could do that she theorizes that it's because of the power and he just goes no because of the money yeah like at the end of the day he just is cutting through all of those moral questions and is like i have a family right they well, i gotta money. get paid yeah. somehow <laughs> yeah might as well do what i'm good at yeah yeah and it's just this one last job before retirement rest in peace ham <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll we'll see how that goes uh we get uh they get to talk about kelsier a bit uh, Vin asks, has he always hated the nobility? Uh, and Ham says, yes, but it's it's worse now. And uh, and she's concerned about him. And so 
so is Ham. They definitely see something that's a little bit worrying there. I wrote down, Ham and Docs are planning an intervention for Kelsier. Yeah, that'll go well. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that both sounds like it would be necessary and also like it would be a complete disaster. <laughs> so we get uh, some a bit of a bit of time at the garrison. Uh, there's some uh, some complicated kind of uh, personal politics there where Ham has to figure out how he can he can work with the Luthadel garrison and also the underground. And if he has to end up fighting one against the other, how is that going to to work out? Uh, but it it's just kind of have to be one of those things, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's the same kind of ruthless situation as the, well, I need money. Everyone knows, basically knows what they've signed up for here. Yeah, just kind of cutting through the moral question of like, well, it is their job to fight against people like us. So that's just how it's going to be. Right. So we're about to get another um, in-depth Allomancy tutorial. Uh, Ham does get to impart some of his wisdom, talking about how you you need to conserve your pewter and use it where it's most important, uh, given that it um, it is uh, rather short-lived. Yeah, I do find it funny how, like, with bronze, you have what on the surface is the least interesting power Turns out to be really cool when you get the specialist uh, coming in to talk about all the different details you can do. And then mm -hmm. the inverse appears to also be true in that you get this pewter specialist, which is a really cool power that boosts your strength. And then the the big super complex advice is, yeah, sometimes you should just not use it as much as when you're using it at other times. And it's still clever, but it's, it's um, not nearly as... Uh, fascinating as all of the bronze details we got from marsh right i kind of see it as um i mean in a very real way pewter is similar to just kind of steroids but i think his point is mm -hmm. um you can inject all the steroids you want but um if you're not lifting weights you know or or something like that right the, the body is a complex process and you do need to make sure that you do things correctly yeah you can take all the steroids what you want but if you can't swing a baseball bat you're not gonna hit him that's what runs. i was gonna say yes exactly yep i got you um thank you very much for the backup beth <laughs> so yeah right as they are about to uh start ham's little sparring session uh he gets uh, a chat with a, an old friend of his uh captain Sirtis now and uh, it turns out that there's uh, there's an incident of some sort because uh, the there, there's a rebellion that's been discovered uh, when the Holstep garrison came under attack to the north. It turns out that the the garrison has discovered some some rebels hiding in the caves who came out to attack the garrison, and uh, the the Luthadel troops are gonna head off and and reinforce it. And and Ham gets an offer. You want to come with sign up uh you'll you'll be an officer you'll get paid and they're going to be marching in two hours so there's two hours for vin and ham and the rest of the crew to figure out what the hell are they going to do <laughs> and this is all the information we have at this point however it was at this point in my notes that i did write down fucking yedin <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, all your comments last episode about his his uh, attitude being suspicious and just somehow off were quite prescient. Mm -hmm. 
I had a premature interest thing here. Um, I, I made predictions because what I do is, you know, I, I'm no good at reading long sequences in succession. So I read a chapter and then I stop for like a day. I think about it um, and then I move on. Mm -hmm. uh, so my prediction, I had two possibilities here, either that it was a wildcat strike uh, i.e. that Ska had heard of what the rebellion was going on, had been enticed by Kelsier's hearing about like the 11th medal, whatever, and just kind of rebelled. Or it was a trap that the gar garrison knew who Ham was, that the Inquisitors have been you know, hitting Ska mm -hmm. dens, and they were trying to draw someone out. As it turns out, Yeden's just kind of an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was just kind of an sting. idiot. Yeah. Ah, bummer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we we drive right from there into chapter twenty five with a, a brief epigraph uh, with some some moral quandaries uh, of the 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 hero here has has had to has had to kill in the process of trying to save the day uh, and they wish there was another way and yet they keep doing it. Yeah, this was actually my what I thought was the most interesting epigraph from this section because I've been you know knowing that this appears to have been written by the Lord Ruler, and I've been making a lot of comparisons between these epigraphs and Kelsier. Um, I think you could certainly read into the author is kind of talking themselves into this justification, and, you know, you can't right. read it with a grain of salt, for sure. But even then, this is one of the first times where the Lord Ruler comes across as even more moral than Kelsier is because Kelsier doesn't care about how many people he needs to kill. Right. Um, and the idea of Lord Ruler at least having the slightest bit of regret or at least entertaining the idea of regret um, is is still something that Kelsier does not appear like he has the capacity to do in his current ad space, um, which I think is just a really interesting thing to, to look at when once more comparing one of your main protagonists with the main antagonist. Mm -hmm. So jumping back into the the action here, as uh, things are in crisis mode, uh, Kel is doing some some last minute delegation of trying to make sure that everyone is safe here in Luthadel, uh, and then he is preparing to uh, to head to see what he can do, uh, and he doesn't explain it at first. Uh, he briefly asks Sazed how much speed he has stored up, so we'll. Uh, Farouk me hint there. Or uh, drugs. Depending <laughs> on what Sez is into. <laughs> Ham's on roids and Sezed's on speed. <laughs> I don't know if you measure speed in hours, but I'm not an expert in these matters. I'll defer to you. <laughs> to me? <laughs> oh, to, to Caleb. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I'm absolutely an expert on whatever just got said. <laughs> um, but it's, it's difficult to store up speed, so only two or three hours. And Kelsier... Vin again talks her way into coming with, uh, but there's really no time to stop and argue right now. So they're they're going together, uh, starting with uh, five beads of pewter for now, and make sure that you have water and pewter and let's go. <laughs> I have a real quick question: um, Where were you when the Oscars declared that the number one cheer-worthy moment in cinematic history was Kelsier and Vin entering the Speed Force? <laughs> You've killed Beth. <laughs> For those 
perhaps on this podcast who did not watch the 2022 Oscars, um, they had really weird, like, moments to be like, we're not just pretentious Oscars. We we know what the people like. Here's some, like, fan favorite moments. Top 10 cheer-worthy moments. So, like, you'd figure this would all be superhero stuff, right. which it mostly was, but mostly, there was like... Matrix in there, and then, yeah, the, there were some, yeah... <laughs> Like the the enormous cross Spider Man crossover event during No Way Home was like number four, and number one was the Flash entering the Speed Force in Justice League. In Zack Snyder's I, Justice League. Oh, I, excuse me. It was yeah. The whole night was just them trying to be nice to Zack Snyder. Like, what happens when he enters the Speed Force? Anything? He slightly goes back in time a little bit. Fascinating. It did look very cool, I'll give it that much. I'm cheering just thinking I, about I it. I will say I will say I did cheer maybe slightly more at the finale of Endgame, but I can't say for sure. It's 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 really 50-50. It's it's a real toss up. Anyways, back to the back to the Naruto running, sorry. Yeah, uh we have a a pewter drag here, and all of the jokes aside in the last two minutes, <laughs> uh I think this is this is cool and intense. Uh, it's I feel like I've played this in a video game where normally you have some sort of meter of you know power that you have to expend, and then at the very end you get access to just infinite power and you can just spam the dash button the entire time. <laughs> uh, except that it turns out that actually physically doing that is enormously difficult. Uh, because what Vin learns in the next minute or so uh, is that Kelsier intends to sprint the entire way to where the battle is, uh, aided entirely by Pewter. Which they say is they say in a minute will take sixteen hours. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Reminds me of riding a bike in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Tap X. Does that make you go comically fast? Yes, he stands up on the pedals and he really pumps hard on the bike. But yeah, um, <laughs> as you said, at later levels, you can go more or less forever. But can your thumb? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Or you'll probably like hit a wall or something and just cartwheel into the into infinity. I can also just picture right as they're about to take off, Ham is like, don't forget what I told you. Don't always be flaring your pewter. Oh, and they're off. Okay, that's just yeah. 16 <laughs> hours of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they have, they, they just head to the canal road and do nothing but run and consume more pewter. And it is, it's horrifying for Vin. Uh, and I, I just think this is a really interesting, like, when you design this magic system, this is a thing that you could figure out would be possible. Like, what what if you just had all of the pewter that you needed? Uh, and I like that it it has heavy consequences. Yeah, there's definitely a uh, you cannot always be doing this uh, element to it. And I really like how her slow descent into madness, essentially, as this happens, is written. Right. There's some funny moments of, I hate running. That's why I've always lived in a city, not in the country, so I wouldn't have to run. Um, but then just the concepts of when she stops 
after a second, she's like, no, this is wrong, and tries to just keep moving again. And Kelsey has to, like, physically restrain her Mm -hmm. to get her back in something approaching the right mind. Uh, She also, she slows herself maladroitly, uh, which people make fun of Brandon for uh, overusing certain words, uh, in particular maladroit, uh, which shows up, I think it's, it's only like, like six times in the Mistborn trilogy and nowhere else in any other book. Uh, But there's a bunch of them in a row somewhere. And so it's the one that people always remember. (laughs) So, but here's one. What else are you going to do when you're flying about and magicking about? I do hate to bring it back to the flash once more. um, But in the comics and also in the justice league, there is a point where flash basically trips and falls over and like the spill is not even comical it's kind of horrifying at like how much of a mess gets made from that and how like it just hurts to watch um and i could imagine like that that could go very wrong when you're doing this this uh tutor sprint um and you know it's it's kind of you feel comfort knowing that kelsier appears to have done this before and is able to like pull her back from wherever she would have went if she couldn't calm herself down uh yeah the little the little look into insanity that might happen if you just keep on running and running and running is it's really interesting and kind of creepy but the the repetition of words reminded me of uh neil stevenson um Mm -hmm. in his book uh ream d i think it's ream d uh he uses the word sluice about a hundred times um, the sluice. Yeah, he uses it as a yeah, noun right. and a verb. So in both senses of sluice, sluice as an object and sluice as an action, um, just over and over. Sluice. I I don't know that book, but I do know there is one particular Resident Evil puzzle in which the characters won't stop talking about the sluices. So that word also has fun <laughs> significance to me. It's a fun word. So after Vin has recovered from her melodroid stumble. Uh, they're here. They have they have completed 16 straight hours of sprinting, uh, have gotten to the site of the battle uh, quicker than any other method they could have possibly gotten there. Uh, but it's too late. Um, Kelsier is all too ready to throw himself into the battle and, and save what's left. Uh, and Vin actually has to, to try to stop him uh, and say if we go to the caves, maybe we can find someone there and save someone there. But if you go down to fight this battle, you are just going to die as well. I think that Kelsier wouldn't have listened if she stopped at you're going to die. Um, I think the addition of it would be wiser for us to do X might have helped, but... Uh... Mm-hmm. Uh, I hesitate to say this is sweet, but it is it is a emotional callback, this... We aren't invincible, remember? Exchange to yeah. that one time what where she nearly died. Yeah. Um and they had both had that moment of like, oh, this feels like kind of a stupid question, but yeah, it's a realization you have to make. And it's a lesson you need to keep reminding yourself. Like you can sprint for sixteen hours mm-hmm. as a misborn, but there's a limit and right. why why throw yourself at that limit why throw yourself away like this let's go to the caves 
And there is the specific thematic element of this is another time in which Vin has insisted on coming along or Kelsey was planning on going alone. They did something rather reckless and very dangerous. And then by the end of it, um, they were in this position. And so the fact that it's now Vin, the one having to remind Kelsier, um, just kind of the, the scenario in general is also being mirrored here. So the fact that this is when this callback conversation happens has a little extra significance. That is really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they head uh, to the caves to see if anyone uh, managed to survive. And at first, it, it seems there's nobody, uh, but Vin manages to spot a, a tiny bit of, of light somewhere far away, and they, they head deeper. Uh, and they find uh, Captain Demo, the one who Kelsier dragged into his, his battle the last time around, uh, is one of just a handful of people who stayed behind to defend the caves because they thought that uh, that going out to attack that garrison was a stupid idea. Mm -hmm. There is a moment here. I know it's a slightly different circumstance, but Damu commands Kelsier to say the password and identify yourself. And Kelsier steps in saying, I need no password. When he, in fact, specifically yes. instructed yeah. them that yeah, even he, he required so the password. He was so adamant, and now all of a sudden, ah, well, that's probably fine. I'm Kelsier. <laughs> I've been away. I don't know it. I don't need it, sir. <laughs> like, it's, it's silly, but it's also just exactly what Kelsier would do. Yeah, absolutely. So they managed to uh, extract uh, 2,000 men from their entire army. And now it's time to, to figure out what the hell what the hell happens next. Because uh, in Kelsier's mind, this was this was too key of a part. And with the army gone, everything is just kinda gonna kinda fall apart here. Honestly, considering they got down into the caves and Kelsier was legit convinced it was completely empty, two thousand's a lot more than I expected to be left. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Uh, and one of those 2,000, it's the return of uh, Goodman Menace. Menace! Way back from the prologue. Menace. <laughs> Chekhov's Pea Shooter. Episode 1, The Goodman Menace. <laughs> Chekhov's Old Man with Sage Advice. <laughs> but, and and he does have, um, he, he has some advice now, and it's... It's it's all the way back to the prologue when when Kelsier had come along to stir up trouble, and Menace tried to to kind of stop him from from getting into too much of a mess, and uh, Kelsier didn't listen, and now there's thousands of people dead, <laughs> and there's there's another moment. This has happened a couple times where Menace is is trying to say, you know, you should be proud of what happened. This was there were there were thousands and thousands of men here. They they banded together, they made a force, they attacked, uh, and, and Kelsier said, well, they, they're all dead, and they were supposed to overthrow the final empire. And Menace says, what the fuck? <laughs> overthrow the empire? What? <laughs> so, but, but that's where we end part three, with uh, Kelsier trying to, to reconcile the fact that to a lot of the ska this slaughter is the greatest victory they've known in decades. Uh, and and yet Kelsier says that uh, he is absolutely not finished yet. <laughs> yeah, Menace offers some advice 
Kelsier doesn't quite take away the same advice Menace was trying to offer, um, but does <laughs> seem to get something out of the conversation. No, I think Menace doesn't have the same... I, I don't think... I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think the soldiers had the full scope of the mission here. So for They did not, I don't think. So for Menace to say, like, no one to quit, I, I think he thought that Kelsier was stopping at one point when in reality the goal was another, so... But Menace's, like, right. talk up to then makes a lot of sense. You know, the men expected to lose and die, and yet losing and dying was a type of winning. Right. They they lost and died in a more powerful and glorious fashion than could have been expected. <laughs> exactly. But that is where we end uh, both the part and our episode with uh, Kelsier ready to escalate things further because... <laughs> That is, from what we've seen, the only thing that he knows how to do. And uh, we'll have to see where he can take it from here. Because this is this is a significant step back. And thank God Breeze can get back to where he's comfortable. <laughs> the and real Breeze victory. The yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. So now we, we have to kind of untangle that. <laughs> it's been a minute since we recorded. Do we do casting first or do we do predictions first? First. We do casting first. Fantastic. I have very little casting. <laughs> Wait, I have one big casting note, but only in terms of new casting. I only have one, actually. Well, Sam has, again, uh, nicely compiled a list, uh, which we can run through uh, those who who will deserve casting. Let's see. Sam, you pointed out uh, Lady Cliss, uh, Mylan. Uh, the garrison folks, including uh, Sirtis, the one who is named. Uh, and did we have Menace on the list already? I don't think we've casted Menace. We did he's, not he's, cast one, Menace. he's one of my new ones. And by one, I mean the only new one. I did not cast any of the people we've named so far. And then we have uh, the, the political crew, none of whom we've seen yet, but are characters who are now appearing. Yeah, everyone cast fourth voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's vital. Absolutely essential. Mark Hamill as fourth voice. <laughs> he could be. That's how we push the Hamill button. <laughs> uh, Caleb, let's... let's. Uh, you only have a couple, so let's get through those, and then we can run down the list as well. Sure. Um, so yeah, my only new one actually is Menace, who ironically is not a new character, but we assumed we wouldn't be seeing him again. Um, I have James Brolin, Josh Brolin's dad, so, you know, people might not be too familiar with him, but he was an actor before Josh was. Um, saw him in a movie recently, he's got a very nice, you know, old man voice, seems like he could be the comforting kind of mentor figure that shows up for a scene or two. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I got there. Okay. Um, there are some actors who are very good at the, the kind of worn out, but but sage an old man it's, it's yeah that's a, a skill it's a good role yeah um and then i have one potential recasting that is that that will likely lead to much discussion okay do tell um so i had a thought um and i was like oh i'll try out i'll see if that works for this chapter and it of all chapters for me to pick it didn't work for this one and in fact if we go with this <laughs> casting we would need to cut out a significant portion of the reading from this week. Um, but Beth, um, yes. 
When it comes to Phantom of the Opera, you have some fun ideas about casting, correct? I do. Yes, I... I good segue, sir. I think that if you cast Raoul as a woman, one, I get to look at a woman in all of those outfits, which is great. And two, it makes the thesis, don't give in to toxic masculinity and abusive standards, go be gay. Which feels like a good message to make out of a quasi-dumpster fire of a show. All right, at some point we're going to need to do a podcast episode on Phantom. Let's table that. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to happen eventually. Um, Regardless... (laughs) I've been thinking to myself, you know, it seems like I'm going to be stuck with Ellen. So how do I fix him? And my thought is, does Ellen become less of a fuckboy if he's no longer a boy? So (laughs) my idea was literally just swap my casting between Shan and Ellen and just have Ellen to be a girl. And then we could make Shan be a guy. And he's just a, a douche, a middle school bully. Um, and see if that works. And sure enough, does not work for this particular chapter pretty much any way you look at it, because the fact that Ellen is a man is kind of vital to a lot of stuff that happens in that one chapter. <laughs> well, I think you're correct that it is a, uh, an interesting exercise of how does this change uh, based on the way that the, the characters should be portrayed. Uh, but you're also right that given the section that we read, it ends up not quite working. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I obviously I like where your head's at. <laughs> That's what I've got. I don't know. Yeah, if we if we can just get rid of that one chapter, then it, it might work. But if we want to stick with the text as written, yeah, that does really not work, unfortunately. Um, and I would, you know, prefer to stick to the text. <laughs> also, I just want to say. God damn it, I've been tricked into burying my gaze because I still have Gina Torres as Dachshund. And lo and behold, Dachshund had a had a, a female lover in the past who then proceeded to die oh, and make no. Dachshund very sad. Yeah, um, and I, I know people have talked about, like, do you, do you change um, Dachshund's past relationship? But it was a, um, it was a, a Scott woman who was killed uh, after being by a nobleman so exactly so much of the reason you you keep that relationship yeah right but so much of the reason that the women get killed is because they might bear a child so right you kind of have to keep the 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 dead people still have to stay women which is not fun to acknowledge but that is how the plot has to function damn it all right. Fesmism. Fesmism. We solved sexism. <laughs> See, we're putting more women in movies, maybe. We, we did it. Right. We did it, finally. <laughs> uh, well, given that uh, Sam has more than one person on his, his cast list, he will, in fact, get to put more women in movies. <laughs> Go for it, Sam. Okay. Uh, all right. So um, I, have two, I have two news. Um, I got a new straff. Um all right. The new Straff Venture is Charles Dance, because I think he's... Yeah, I can I can see that. I, I think he works there. Uh, he, was, uh, he was in Game of Thrones, right? I think so. Yes, yeah. that's, that was his very big one. He was also uh, the head mercenary dude from Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which is his best role. <laughs> best role ever. Um, 
Uh, he, he was also in Alien 3. I was guessing he was Tywin just based on yeah. being yeah. dad who's a dick. Right, <laughs> correct. Right. Uh, older family figure who is generally just an awful person. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, he plays the part well. Um, I have a new Ellen. Uh, there, I can't shake it. Um, I can't picture him as a regular person. I've I've really been trying to, but I can't get a good actor for it. So, uh, I fill him in as Louise Morad de Richet from the Council, the video game. Oh right, yeah, not an actor, just the animated character, right? I've, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's not. I, I don't really. No, I didn't mean that to be sarcastic. I was just remembering that you have already brought that up in the chat. I've forgotten that 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 you that you already told us about that. Yeah. Um, but for the audience, you are now finding out about this, and I was clarifying that. Yeah, that's what that is. Yes. Um. Uh. And my gun to my head, human actor. I'm going to retract because I I can't picture the voice working. Um. But uh. Seth Green. I'll just I'll just tell you, reader or listener. Um. I was thinking Patrick Schneeweiss, aka Pat the Bunny. Um. But the voice doesn't work. But the attitude does. Honestly, I feel like um, the 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 character you mentioned um, from the council, yeah, does kind of track for like looks wise. Yeah, like he's he's the he's nobility, but he's also a little bit disheveled because he wants to be. Yeah, and like he's he's young and yeah, no, I can see it. And I maintain that if you're looking at a picture of that character and you need to find a live-action version of it, Seth Green is the best you're going to do. <sighs> I know you were Reddit famous for it, but I don't agree. I did get Reddit famous for making a GIF that did feature this character. That's true. <sighs> All right. Anyway. Deep lore. Um, yeah. <laughs> the deep lore expands. I do have a Lady <laughs> Cliss. Um, yep. For her, I'm going with Mae Whitman from Good Girls. She's the young blonde protagonist in Good Girls. Okay. Yep. I think I assumed that that Cliss was older, but I don't think it it actually says. Sorry. Before we get into, I want to make sure this was who I thought it was. Um, I do not associate Mae Whitman with Good Girls first and foremost, uh, because that is the voice of Katara from Avatar. Amity from the Owl House, oh. and she's also featured heavily oh. in Scott Pilgrim and Arrested Development. I was listing a recent role, though. <laughs> Fair enough. Amity from Owl House would be another one, but you don't see her, so if we're trying to think of live-action casting, then that makes sense. If you're not thinking of live-action casting, my Lady Cliss is whoever Tiana's friend is in The Princess and the Frog, the one who wears the really oh. big pink oh. dress. Yeah. Yeah, kind of yeah. like a clueless. Yeah, yeah, I get the attitude there. Definitely, Mylan. Uh, I'm borrowing a, a casting page from Beth because <laughs> he's a faceless mannequin to me. Um, I can't picture anybody, and I tried. I, I just nothing. There's no impression he makes. I I want to defend Beth here. It's not fair of you to just steal actors directly off of her casting list. It's really unfair to her. This bit is so fucking funny, dude. Like, oh my god, it has me rolling every fucking time we talk about my faceless mannequins in my brain. That's, That's I don't funny. know like what the bit is. The I'm trying to stand Thanks, up man. for you here. I don't know what the problem is. Did you lean into the mic to say all that? No, I'm not saying there's a problem. I'm saying it's really funny. I am. I'm saying she absolutely I'm, did. I'm staring deeply, <laughs> angrily at Justin's water bottle as I do this. It's honestly kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> 
Let's right. move on. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. All right. Uh, so I got one for Sirtis, who's the, the guy that Ham okay. talks to. Uh, Bobby mm-hmm. Fish of currently AEW fame. Um, okay. Just, just kind of a tough guy with a mustache. Um, Fair. I don't know. Uh, Menace, um, the, there's a certain archetype that I'm really trying to get here. Um, and I played around with like different old white actors. Um, cause this is like the sagely old man. Um, I'm picturing, right. I, I pictured like little Al Pacino, Ian McKellen, uh, Liam Neeson. I just, I can't exactly peg one down. But that sort of vibe. I don't think Al Pacino can play a smart enough character to be Menace. I'm sorry, Al, but he can. <laughs> um, but, you know, that sort of vibe. I don't know. All right. And that's it. That's my casting. Okay. Then I have a bunch of questions. You don't gotta be white. You could throw, a, like, a Danny Glover in the mix as a Menace. Oh, yeah. yeah that I, could, I could see a Danny Glover, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Now Beth's list has like five people on it. <laughs> and this is the first serious one. Cool. Yeah, no, actually. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, we've had some pretty significant plot developments, which are going yeah. to impact how things are going forward. So I am I'm curious to know what you think is going to be the, the way that we go from here. What's next? I'll start. Tell, tell us, okay. Sam. All right. So the... There's three kind of threads that are are here. Um, there's that that were introduced here. Um, the Ellen and the boys thing, um, the Ska army getting wiped out, and how to salvage the plan now that the Ska army's gotten wiped out. So, um, I think, and uh, what I do when I read, um, I mentioned this maybe not in this chat, but in other chats, um. There's a, a guy named GeoWizard who plays GeoGuessr. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll play with uh, other people. Um, and he'll just introduce, like, BS qualifications. Like, I'm going to play this round, and even though it's not required, I'm only going to make one guess, and I'm not going to move pan or zoom. Even though everybody else in the game can. I like to read like that. Mm-hmm. The extra challenge mode? I like to imagine what I imagine and then be surprised. I don't like to get all my predictions exactly right. So, Okay. Just because it's more fun that way. I don't know. Um, so my no move, pan, or zoom, one guess thing with Elland is that um, Kelsier is somehow going to get them onto the, the head of their houses and they're going to... Um, uh, the the goal isn't going to be to overthrow and destroy the houses. The goal is going to be to overthrow and destroy the other houses and have it be just them. Mm, okay, a couple of of targeted assassinations to to get the the succession order moving. Exactly to to kind of grease the wheels here. Um, yeah, and then it seems like eventually he'd be almost receptive to like just dismantling the houses, um, but with house you know venture etc like on your side when you're trying to overthrow the lord ruler that's that's a powerful alliance you know it sure is (laughs) so um so there's that for that i'd like that to happen like i said no move pan or zoom guess there um i think that the news of the ska rebellion is going to spread i think it'd be weird if it didn't 
Um, right. Uh, I think that Ellen and company will hear it and be fascinated by it. Maybe it'll further radicalize them. Um, and I think that the ska will either get hopeful, like Menace kind of suggests, um, because even a defeat is a victory and it kind of shows the point of standing up, or it'll make them kind of lose hope even more and just make things more difficult. So I'm choosing to believe that they'll get hopeful. And I'm also choosing to believe <laughs> that they're going to drum up an army again, like faster, double time, okay. based on this word of mouth. It definitely, I mean, they they had to be fairly subtle about it before. And like you said, it's probably going to be difficult to keep the news from spreading. Yeah. And to the right sort of person, that news really could kick them into action. Like, hey, uh, you know, the, these this army just destroyed a garrison for an entire town. Maybe we could do that. I don't mm-hmm. know. It'd be nice. Um, and those okay. those kind of wind together into the third point, which is how to salvage the plan. Um, uh, the idea is the Kelsier might see that the approach is to use the nobility, i.e. Ellen, etc., instead of uh, just destroying them. And or the army can rebuild itself by word of mouth and the plan can kind of continue as before, although you'd have to beat the drum pretty hard to get people back up. Okay. We will see how Kelsier uh, attempts to actually recover from this because he's certainly (laughs) uh, not talking about uh, letting it lie easily. Not by far. Yeah, as he says. Okay. Uh, does that do it for your list for this week? That's my my interesting list. I have cans of worms, but as you said, you have things that you caught with worms to eat, so we can save them for later. This is actually a true fact. Love it. <laughs> we will we'll definitely bring that up in the next episode, though. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then, Caleb, uh, what is your read on where we're going from here? Sure. Yeah, I don't have a lot of you know complex uh, uh, attack on Titan branding today, um, but kind of hitting some of the same points that Sam hit. Um, I don't trust all five of those of Ellen's friends. I don't trust Fourth Voice. I think he's going to be the one that betrays them all. Um, <laughs> I think one of them is probably going to turn out to screw up the plan if Ellen tells them too much information. Um, but I do believe for the okay. most part that little book club is probably going to be okay. And I don't have enough information on the rest of them to guess which one it is. So for now, my guess is fourth voice because that's fun. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I could actually see this would probably be end of trilogy talk rather than end of this book talk. Um, but I could potentially see, you know, once the empire is pretty much completely overthrown, you have these four people because one of them's going to betray them. Um, you have these four remaining people kind of try to rebuild the nobility to be something that is actually kind to its people. And you kind of have a leadership system in place there um, that kind of knows how to run a city, but also does actually have people's best interests at heart. I could see that kind of turning into uh, uh, one of our, you know, ending wrap up. Uh, how, where does the world go from here uh, scenarios um, in terms of short term and how the plan will succeed? I don't think they're going to be able to drum up an organized army from here on out. I think they're stuck with that 2000. So what I think is going to pretty much happen, and it was a complicated plan, so I may be forgetting exactly why they had to do things in a certain way, and maybe this this idea won't work that way anymore. But my, plan, my idea is they have all of their remaining army, all 2000, attack Hatsin, and that's their new diversion. It's just everyone is there uh, to get the guard to go out. 
In the meantime, they may not have an organized army, but in a similar vein to what Sam was saying, maybe they can get some of the ska on their feet and start inspiring them. And if Kelsier tries to incite some riots in the city and basically just have the entire city be thrown into chaos um, to to help keep the guards distracted um, and and keep everything occupied, that would allow him to complete his part of the plan, which appears to just be stealing Adam at this point. But I imagine if Kelsier can get the Lord Ruler on a stage and cut his head off and kill him, um, he would consider that to be a worthy victory that Menace can look up to and the rest of the people can look, look up to and realize that maybe this can actually, um, something good can come from the final empire and, and it, it can be defeated and replaced with something better. Um, and I think that fits pretty strongly with what Kelsier has appeared to want from things so far. Um, so that's kind of where I think he's going with that. Um, that is pretty much all I have for this um, week, and um, I'm excited and anxious to see what happens next. Yeah, I was uh, I was looking ahead to the next couple of, of chunks of episodes. Uh, it will not be long before we are introduced to the term Sanderlanch or the, the Sanderson Avalanche. Uh, there's going to be a point where just everything happens. <laughs> everything mm-hmm. d- begins and does not stop. Yeah. And we're we're not quite hitting it, but we're definitely winding up for it. So I am I'm really looking forward to where we're going from here. Yeah. And speaking of real quick, speaking of one other thing that will probably be part of the Sander Lanch, I am fascinating. It, you know, we have the moment of Kelsier thinking about Ham and being like, ah, oh, poor buddy, he doesn't know the secret plan. Um, and I'm fascinated by how secret plan is now affected by having no army. Um, whether or not some of that ties into taking out the Lord Ruler as opposed to just getting the Adium remains to be seen. Um, don't have a lot of theories about that, um, but just another point of interest that I'm keeping in mind for next time. Put a pin on the board for that one. Exactly. Justin and I made some faces of varying emotions at each other yep. throughout y'all's theories. There were some, were had. Eh, there was some, eh, there was some, uh-huh. <laughs> the whole range. <laughs> All of the emotions. <laughs> the three genders. <laughs> What chapters are we reading next time? Yeah, Justin? that's that's where I'm going. All right, uh, we're starting part four, uh, Dancers in a Sea of Mist. Another good part title. Yeah, yep. it is. Uh, this part is going to be entirely three chapter chunks. Uh, so 26, 27, and 28 will be our next episode. Uh, we'll see where the crew goes from here. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. All right. Uh, other than that, uh, anything... Any pressing book info from any of the three of you before we take things out of here? Good book. Book good. <laughs> I can't Great. believe That's... you made a flash entering the Speed Force joke. You came into our podcast. <laughs> sure did. Yeah, that's where we're apparently going to have to leave this. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you want to tell me that I've, I really should regret the choices that we've made... <laughs> Uh, I can tell you that right now. Yeah, you sure can. Uh, you can you can get in touch with us at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. You can also find the show at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Uh, that's where all of our episodes will be. Uh, we really appreciate everyone giving this a listen. Uh, we love doing it, but it's it's also just awesome to to see the uh, the, the people get something out of out of this little fun game that we're doing. 
Yeah, shout-outs to Victoria, who's emailed us a time or two. I love you. Yay. There you go. And uh, without further ado, we will see you next time. Shout-outs to Simple Flips. Number one cheer-worthy moment on There's Always Another Podcast, a Flash enters the Speed Force joke. <laughs> Bye. Just, <laughs> Just confirming. Stop recording.